Well, welcome, Grace Community Church. Welcome for all those that are jumping on uh, this weekend. Thanks for being a part of this service today. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Mark Edwards. I am the campus and children's pastor here at Grace Community Church, and it's an absolute privilege to share with you, and it's really, really awkward. I didn't realize how different it would be, and yet, so I'm, what I had to do is I had to come up on the platform earlier, and I just closed my eyes, and I just visualized to the best I could people's faces, where people normally sit, because you all sit in the same spot every week. Sit in the same spot, and that's okay, I sit in the same spot every week too, it's no judgment. And I just had to visualize the room being full, and then I realized that that really wasn't the right thing to do. The reality is, is you're sitting in your home, or you're sitting at break at work, or wherever you are right now, and um, you could be sitting there just, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, why, you know, what the circumstances are. Maybe you're sitting with your life group, maybe you're sitting with your family, I hope you are. But if you're sitting there by yourself, or you're just trying to kind of take a break from things, uh, the reality is, is uh, there's a convenience right now that helps you plug in with us. And uh, we're grateful for that. We're really grateful for that. And so uh, I, my prayer has been uh, this week that this would be a little bit of a slowdown for you. And the reason I say that is I think there's times when we, when we come into the weekend or we, we come into a time where we're in God's Word or we're, uh, you know, coming into service, and we, we just te- tend to kind of get in a hurry. We tend to just check it off and think, well, this is the thing I'm doing, and here we go. And sometimes we can even do that at home. Like, we could be scrolling through, maybe you're on Facebook, and like, boom, that's right, the message is is happening. You know, grace is online. And so you're starting to watch. I I would just implore you to stay with us today. Like, stay with us all the way through. Like, we got this great song at the end of service you're going to want to hear. Like, you just stay with us. And if you need direct assistance, if you need support from someone, please just hop on our website. Go online that way, because in the chat room for the three services time, three service times, we have someone there for you. So please do that. And you know what? I tried to shortcut things one time in my life. There's actually been many times in my life. I've tried to circumvent and shortcut the process. And uh, going to church is not a process. Going to church and coming before the Lord and growing in your walk with Him and Scripture and doing it this way, it's, a, it's an intentional commitment. I think about when I was in college, and uh, I hadn't prepared for a very important test that was coming up. And I remember thinking, okay, that's all right, I'll just kind of just shortcut this. I'll kind of get the notes from somebody else. I'll, I'll get the abbreviated version of, of what I need to study for. And um, it was a complete and utter failure. Like I came into that time for the test, and I realized that I wasn't prepared. Um, as much as I had all the basic bullet points, I really hadn't gathered and experienced everything I need to experience and educate myself to be ready for the test. And sometimes we come to church that way. Sometimes we come and we're not really focused um, in preparation. Sometimes we just, I mean, to be truthful, sometimes we're, we're just kind of gearing up for the message portion. And we're not there at the beginning. And that's okay, except there's an experience, there's an opportunity for us to experience together, for you to experience. And so I was reminded that this text today uh, is really one that I want to unpack a little bit. And I don't, not only want to unpack it, the one that you heard, but I want to unpack the one that follows. So stay in Luke 7. We're going to be there for a little while. So um, we're just going to focus and dwell on that because there is something in this message this weekend about 
honoring Jesus, that Jesus is not only someone to honor, but they, He honors us. That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Father, as we come into Your Word today, as we open it up, Father, help it not to be something we just skim through today. By the power of Your Holy Spirit, may we dive a little deeper. May we open our hearts up a little wider. May we um, just, oh God, help us just to put the distractions aside and consider for these next few minutes what you have for us from your word. And, and, and Jesus, what you walked through and what you experienced, may we see that in a clearer way today. We commit our time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're, gonna, we're in Luke chapter 7, talking about Jesus' honoring. And you know, the gentleman that wrote Luke, you know, Dr. Luke, he was a doctor, he was a physician, and he, he was very uh, thorough. The, you know, scholars tell us he was very thorough in what he, what he documented. Um, he has the longest account of the virgin birth of Jesus. You know, they, some scholars think that they, he probably had a face-to-face interview with, with Mary. I mean, there was conversation there. There was 20 miracles of Jesus that Dr. Luke wrote in the gospel, and only six of those 20 are found in, they're unique to the gospel of Luke. There are 23 parables that he shares. And out of those 23, 18 of them are exclusive to the Gospel of Luke. Luke was meticulous. He was a physician. He had to be in the details. And uh, frankly, it's uh, just amazing to me some of the things that he pulls out and puts in Scripture. But let me, let me set the scene for you in Luke 7. Because if there's one thing I've always been challenged with, and I see it as an opportunity, it's taking Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and trying to line them up. Like, what goes before what? Like when something's like um, repeated in the Gospels, I, I obviously know that it's probably important for us to really know if it's more than there once. Not that some Scripture is more important than the other, but it, it, it's a chore to try to line them up, and I'm thankful for resources that we can access that um, put it in order for us to the best of our, our ability and the scholars that have done the work. Um, but Luke was someone who uh, had, had him in order. In fact, the when I look through the chronological sequencing, the harmony of the Gospels, Luke tends to be the one most used from chapter 1 to the end in order. And some of the other writers, it's, it's kind of moved around. But let me set the scene for you coming into this. The first verse in, in chapter 7 that was read was, when Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, like at the beginning of the chapter, what did he just finish doing? Great question. Let me tell you what he just finished doing. There was this sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. It was the big kind of um, first step in Jesus' ministry. This first sermon, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And he's just, Jesus is just coming off of that time to where we are now. Now, things that happened at the Sermon on the Mount, if you're not aware, there was a lot of things said. A lot of things said about some, some upside down things, like loving your enemies, like storing up treasure in heaven and not on earth. Um, do not judge. I mean, he taught us how to pray at the Sermon on the Mount. He, he told us to be wise, not foolish, and what we build our foundation on. All these things happen. And then, after he comes down from that, one of the first miracles, if not the first, one of the first in healing was with a man with leprosy. So picture, he's sharing with thousands. He's up there on, on this area. And I've been there. Like, I've, I've been 
to the Church of the Beatitudes. Maybe you've been there. It is an amazing location. It's an amazing place. And I thought to myself, you know, all he had was his voice. That's all he had. How could thousands of people right there by the Sea of Galilee, how could they hear him? This is just kind of a side note. And so as I'm picturing this, this going down for Luke 7, I had to first just remember that. And I thought, how did, how did that, what must have that look like? And when I was there, I remember coming out of the, the church of the Beatitudes and walking down around and, you, you know, find, Google it. See the pictures. It's a beautiful location. But it's, 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 um, it's just this amphitheater-like area off the shore of Galilee. And as I was standing outside and I was looking over the, the Sea of Galilee, this still water at, the, at that day, and I thought, how? And I closed my eyes and thought, Jesus, how could you, how could so many people hear you? Like, you probably weren't yelling. I mean, you were probably just talking. And I thought, well, it was probably miraculous. You know, like everybody just had their own inner ears in. You know, these, these inner monitors, like the, just, the Holy Spirit just kind of put them there so everybody could hear over the, the noise of the kids and everything going on. And I thought, no, no that's, that's stretching it. But maybe it happened. And then I remember, I remember looking out down the water and way down. I mean, I, they couldn't have heard me talking at, at this volume. And, and I'm just, I'm listening. I thought, they couldn't hear me. And there's these two people standing by a truck. And they were I, a long ways away. And I could hear them. And I thought, wow. Here's this, this location where Jesus is sharing with thousands. And literally was just the perfect scenario. This built, God-built amphitheater where they, everyone could hear each other. And so everybody was drawn to him. So here they are in this, in this location thousands of people, and then he leaves there and he starts heading to Capernaum, which is only a half a mile away. It's not that far. And so he draws this crowd that follows him, and on the way, he just happens to come across a man with leprosy. Can you imagine, after hearing all that Jesus said, all that he had shared, now as he's walking along, he comes across a man who's supposed to be left alone. You talk about social distancing. This guy was the epitome of social distancing. And what did Jesus do? He got the attention of everybody there. He went and healed this man with leprosy. Now, if that didn't rock the world and the city of Capernaum and, and that area right then and there, I don't know what would have, but the word began to spread. The word began to spread. So he goes into Capernaum. And here we pick up the story. And as always, I'm three, probably three pages ahead on my 24 font notes so that I can read them. A half a mile later, he comes into the city. And he doesn't even get to where he's going. Who knows where he was going? But as he comes into the city, he gets met by some Jewish leaders. And he, and he, and he tells, they tell him there is this centurion, this Roman, who needs healing of his servant. What an amazing moment that literally a Roman sends a group of people, a group of men, to meet Jesus and say, hey, you don't even need to go there, just heal. Heal this man. Heal this servant. In fact, another group comes as he's on his way to the house, and I got it a little bit mixed up. I apologize for that. But after those Jewish leaders implored, implored Jesus to go on his way there. He hasn't even gotten there yet. And the centurion has sent other servants to say, wait a minute, here's the deal. 
You don't have to come into my house. They're speaking for him. You don't have to come into my house. Like, I know who you are. And I picture in my mind, I've already heard about what happened a half a mile away. Like, I've heard what you've done. I've heard the, the words of confidence and strength. The words that were of, from you of just this direct command of how to live. So you don't even need to, you don't even need to show up. Just say it and it'll happen. Just speak the healing of my servant, and it will be done. You talk about honoring and respecting. That was the ultimate. And what did Jesus, what was Jesus' response? Here's was his response. Jesus said, when Jesus heard this, verse 9, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd, He said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith in Israel. The Bible says in other other versions that he he marveled. He marveled at the faith of centurion. Now, Jesus didn't use that word, but only one other time in Scripture. It was a a big statement. And here he was off of a big message to a big life-changing experience of healing a man with leprosy to now from, again, Breaking the rules of social distancing at the time to now establishing, I don't even need to go. And I will heal that servant. Not because I choose to, though I will, but because I've been acknowledged and honored as someone who can do that by someone who understands authority. The Roman centurion understood the authority of Jesus. He understood what he was capable of, and who he was. In fact, the, the centurion was, was one who hung around the synagogue because he actually helped build it. Scripture tells us that. The Jewish culture, community, loved this, this, this centurion, loved him, appreciated him, because these Jewish leaders went out on his behalf to, to take care of a situation, to go to Jesus, say, come and heal this, his servant. So there was a great reverence, there was a great relationship there. And so when I put all that together, when you and I put all that together, and we just, just have a picture of what, what went on at the time, does, does it not astound you like it astounds me that Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, like He, nothing, nothing could hold Him back. That He had already made such an impression starting this ministry that it was already beginning, this, the spread of Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Son of God, was beginning to be spread to a point so quickly that even a Roman understood the authority that Jesus had. Even a Roman. And of course, they go back and find to find the servant healed, that he's well. And you know, for me, I just couldn't stop there to think about how honoring this centurion was the respect he had for the authority of Jesus, and then for Jesus to respond in such a way to say, that kind of faith, that kind of depth of faith is unique. It's, it's, it's set apart. And so then I, I start thinking for myself in terms of what kind of faith do I have? Do I have that kind of faith? Do I believe that Jesus will respond to my needs even if, I'm, if he's at a distance from me? Like, even if, if I'm not right, even if I'm not in that, 
what I call that sweet spot of relationship with Jesus, even if I'm on the fringe, even if I'm a separated, not because Jesus separates himself from me, but because I choose. I choose. Mimi, he still meets my needs. He's still available. If I just turn and acknowledge him, say, you know what? I know you're still far off, but I need your help. Is my faith that way? Is your faith that way? Do I have that kind of reverence and honor? And if that wasn't enough to remind me the greatness for you and I, the greatness of Jesus, if that wasn't enough to drive us to to worshiping Him, to desiring to align our lives more closely with Jesus, to live like Him, to put Him in that place of authority in, in our lives as Lord, If that wasn't enough, let's read on. Because what I'm about to read next, you talk about honoring. You talk about Jesus honoring those in a situation who takes it it upon himself to address the situation, even without being asked. He understands the grief. Take a look. This, This should speak to you today. If this first part didn't, this part will. Luke chapter 7, starting with verse 11. I pause again. Now, in Scripture, these events more than likely didn't happen, boom, boom, because they were far from each other. In fact, to get to where Jesus was in Capernaum, to where what we're about to read, where that is, on a good day, at a great pace, it was probably a full day's journey of walking. Now, more than likely, based on, on the other Gospels, there was probably a little bit of time there in between. Jesus didn't waste any time. Every moment in his ministry was all about meeting needs, changing lives, restoring health, both physically and emotionally and spiritually in the lives of people. He was busy, but then he could be. He was God, and he is God. So now we step into the Scripture, verse 11, Luke chapter 7. Soon afterwards, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar. I just Google it. And I Googled it, and it's a distance away. Driving it today would be an hour and a half. But at the elevation change and the rockiness of the terrain, it was a good day's journey, if not longer. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. Here's the deal. Large crowds pretty much went anywhere Jesus went. They had every reason to follow him. He was doing things that we take for granted We read Scripture, and it's like we're reading the cliff notes. we got to stop and pause and go, what must of that look like? What was going on? Verse 12, as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. It's a a processional they're, they're taking someone to be buried. It's, it's, a, it's a funeral procession. <clears throat> when the Lord saw her, meaning the mother, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. Well, no kidding. Think about it. 
Think about it. A, a single mom, one child who has now died, a young man, they're carrying him off to be buried. They're, they're taking the coffin. There, there's this processional, a great crowd. I don't know how many, but it was a great crowd. But it was one crowd meeting another. It was this crowd that was following Jesus coming up towards a crowd that was coming out of the city gate to bury a young man. And they're carrying his coffin. No wonder they were filled with awe and wonder. No wonder they were praising God. A great prophet, they said this in verse 16, a great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. All the healings already, all the teachings, the storytelling, and then this. One of three times documented where um, an individual, Jesus, brings him back to life. Now, he had his bases covered. He, this was a young man, but he also, of course, Lazarus, who was older later, if you, if you don't know Scripture, Jesus healed three individuals, a child, a young man, and an older man. I don't know the age difference. I'm not, I just don't know that. But all three, and he did it the same way, the same way. He spoke to them and spoke life back into them. He literally said, come back to life, stand up. He did that with the young child, he did that with this young man, and he did it with Lazarus. He called him out. What's that mean for you and me? Jesus is calling us out. Calling us out to a life of abundance. We'll come back to that. But Jesus doesn't get hindered. He doesn't get pushed back by the crowds. He comes before the coffin, he puts his hand on it, and he speaks life back into this young man. Now picture, again, picture this. Two large crowds, one individual brought to life. What would be the natural response when that happened? First of all, I don't even know what it must have looked like. I can't imagine. I've never seen anything like that. You haven't either. Maybe you have, but for most of us, we haven't. But for that crowd, there had to be a response that was going to be a response to this honoring man named Jesus Christ who came and said, hey, I'm just, I don't know, was he passing through? I don't know. But he saw what this mother was feeling, and he went to her and to her son and called him back to life. What an amazing comparison. What an amazing comparison. I mean, think about it. Think about it. What a comparison between the two pieces of Scripture that we read. Do you see the extent of Jesus' love, of God's love for you? Do you see the extent, the width, the depth, the height of God's love? Because on one hand, here's this first passage that we read where Jesus is marveled by the heart of this Roman. He's marveled by it. He's astounded that this man who's not Jewish would say, I understand your authority, and you don't even need to come in the house. Like, just speak it from a distance. Versus what happens when Jesus approaches this processional and brings this young man back to life. What's the response? The news began to spread. Think about it. If you were a religious leader and you started feeling threatened, you'd have every right to feel threatened. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, I mean, 
The religious leaders of the time, they had every reason to be concerned later on in Scripture. I mean, he started, he came out of the gates, Jesus did, with not only big words, but big actions. And that's how it started. For three years, one thing after another after another, this Jesus who honored the people he ever came across, who would pause and respond to the compassion of a mother whose son had died, who would pause in the street and say, okay, if you don't think I need to come all the way to your house, I'll just, he's fine. I'll just speak that in. He's fine. And I'll just go on my way. The word spread. Why do I keep coming back to that? Well, because here's the thing. Didn't think I'd even have enough material to get all the way through, and I've got so much more to talk about. Amazing. Amazing. I don't know how Pastor Jesse does it. I really don't. Just as a pause. I don't know how he does it. The place is practically empty. You'd think the message would be five minutes long. But no, I got it. We're good. Thank you, Lord. When you think about it, how should you and I respond? I mean, really, how should we respond when we think about the compassion and the concern and the power and the greatness of Jesus that would not only honor someone who said, I'm just not even, I'm not even worthy for you to come in my house, but I know with the authority that you possess, like I've heard about you for a while now, what you set up on the hill, it already got here before you got here. What you did to that leper, I've, we've heard about it already. I mean, that's kind of what I think he's probably feeling, this Roman centurion, what he's thinking. Don't even, but don't even come to my house. You're, you're all that and, and more. So just speak it from a distance, and I know he's going to be fine. How do we respond to that? How do you respond to that? How do you respond? How do we respond when, when we realize that, that Jesus has such compassion that he'll step into your world and mine politely, sympathetically, compassionately, like he'll step in and he wants to step in if you'll just let him. Like the people carrying the coffin, they just stopped. They didn't run. The crowd didn't push them away. Maybe Jesus' crowd was bigger than their crowd. They were kind of stuck there. I don't know. I don't know. But they stood there and they allowed Jesus to come in and speak life into that young man. Many probably didn't think he could do it. Many probably didn't know what was going on. But the word had spread and then it really spread. It just lit up. People started hearing about Jesus Christ the Messiah. So how does that change us? How do we respond? What do we do? I mean, where you're at right now, I would say this. It's time to answer those kind of questions. It's time to, to in the midst of our struggles and our trials and our sickness and our pain, in our culture and society, that what's going on right now, we really should consider how are we to respond to Jesus? You know, as we read, when someone's brought back to life or when someone's healed from sickness, there's a response. Like, you hear these stories, like you heard Maria's story today. There is a natural response when Jesus enters into your world and into your life. We can't help it. 
There was a time, I think we were called as Christ followers, we were called Jesus freaks. I, don't, I was never called that because I think that was before I accepted Jesus. I don't know. I don't, just don't think it was said at the time. But we're kind of looked at as extreme. We have every right to react in such ways that are just almost sometimes like uncontrollable emotionally. I used to, I used to just be kind of beyond myself about how emotional I can get sometimes. But I can't help it. I can't help it. Like Maria, she couldn't help it. Her life dramatically changed. She went from being a, in chains, held captive, to this freedom in Jesus. And what I drew the conclusion for this message was just this. When Jesus shows up and he changes your life, you got to share it. You can't keep it in. I'm not saying because, like, you know, somebody forces you to share it. Like, you just can't help it. You can't help but share with the world around you what you experienced with Jesus. I mean, they couldn't help it. Now, let's be real. If you saw somebody come back to life, you probably couldn't contain that. But think about it. Like Maria, like myself, and so many others, Jesus came into our lives and brought us new life. He brought life back into us in a relationship with him. Now I am so far off my notes. So we're going to have two questions I want to ask. Here's the first one. Here's the first one for you to consider today or later. Because I know I'm talking fast. How far did Jesus have to go to reach you? I mean, how far did he have to go to reach you and give you new life? How far did he have to go? How far? Maybe you're one who Jesus pursued for a very long time. And when life situations slowed you down enough, and when you're hurting or in trouble, you finally noticed that he was always there waiting for you. And every, every step of your journey, every struggle you had, every situation that maybe in one way you'd think, well, it just drew me farther away from Jesus, away from God's love, like it separated me farther and farther and farther and farther. And then when you stop long enough to realize there's nothing you could do, like you were so done, and you looked up, and there he is, right there. How far did he have to come to get to you? Maybe you're one who, like others, have heard about Jesus for the first time, and when you knew you needed, needed him, you responded right away. Jesus Christ loves you. God loves you so much he came into this world and got everybody's attention. Not just what we read here, but time and time again. In fact, to the extent of what couldn't be contained, literally, in a tomb, he came back to life. Jesus Christ, God's one and only son, crucified on a cross, resurrected, came back to life, made himself known for over a month before he left to be with the Father. And that event in history has never stopped being talked about ever. It's why we gather. It's why you're sitting there listening. Because of what Jesus did. And maybe you're listening and this, this relationship with Jesus is something you didn't realize. Like you didn't realize how, how much you're loved. He loves you. He heals the sick. Yep. He restores sight to the blind. Absolutely. He brings comfort and strength and he brings people back to life. And he meets you where you're at. Maybe you're paralyzed in fear and loneliness and brokenness. Maybe those are the things in your life right now. And you really feel like you're withering and dying inside. 
Jesus is there. He's there to meet you right where you're at. He's there to forgive you for your sin, for your mistakes. He's there to respond to you immediately and come into relationship with you. All you got to do is ask him. All you got to do is invite him into your life. Oh, the joy, the life that you will experience with Jesus is uncomparable. In fact, for the most part, outside of we all have bad days and we're not perfect, but it's that life that you have with Jesus that cannot be contained. It can't be. It's too big of a deal. You got to believe him. You got to receive him and then you live for him. And when you discover personally the forgiveness and love of Jesus, here's what happens. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Yep, time's going by. Starting with verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. That's a strong word, compel. Compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. And those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation That God was reconciling the world to himself, bringing us together, restoring life, not counting men's sins against them. Your sins are not counted against you. When you come into relationship with Jesus, he's forgiven, they're gone. They're not ever held against you. You're a new creation. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Life change happens, and we become his ambassador. Like, we're called to live a life that honors Jesus. Jesus honored us individually. He responded to us, and now we're called to honor him in our lives. Yes, even in the midst of what we're going through right now. Yes, even in the midst of what we're dealing with. Absolutely. So my second question, and the team's going to come up because we got a great song to share with you. How are you responding to the new life you have in Jesus right now? Now, if, if you're listening and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, today's your day. Today's your day. It's time for you to hear how much you're, you're loved by the creator of the universe, all that he's done for you. Maybe, again, you're walking this earth, you're walking in your life, and you, you just feel dead inside. He's come to restore you, give you a new life, to make you a new creation. Maybe you realize he's been pursuing you and it's time for you to stop and receive it. Receive and embrace the love of Jesus. This is your time. It's your time. It's your time to respond. And once that, that comes in and you've, you've received him, then it's time to, to live life differently. You're just naturally going to do it. You can't help yourself. Think about that young man. Do you think he just went home and didn't say a word? Do you, do you not think that his life was changed dramatically? Absolutely, he came back to life. His life changed from that day forward. I can't even imagine 
what he must have shared, and let alone his mom, what she must have shared. Are you sharing your story? If you're a Christ follower, are you sharing your story? Or are you living with this best-kept secret? I just would want to encourage you right now. Think about how you're sharing your story. How are you living your life? How are you being an ambassador? I mean, that life that's in you, that relationship with Jesus, how's that being expressed? Is it contained or is it out of control? I don't know. But I would, I would encourage you, don't, don't, don't push the end button. Don't leave us right now. Because we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask a little bit different on this song. This is a brand new song. Brand new song. It's a beautiful song. I just want to read a few of the words to you. And I, I would just encourage you to take this time to just focus on what's going to get sung. Don't, don't worry about anything else. Everything else is going to be fine. You just think about these words. Let me read a few of them to you before they sing it. The chorus goes like this. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Because all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? He will. But you got to invite him. For, for many, it's, it's going to be about Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Yes, does he, does he enter into people's lives and get their attention? And does he initiate it? Yes. But it's moments like this when you can focus on what and think about what God's done for you and Jesus' love for you and ask him to come. Meet you where you are. Where you are. Don't dwell on the things of the past. Don't worry about what's coming ahead. This virus thing, it's gonna, it's gonna end. Someday it's gonna be past. It's gonna be in, the, in, our, in our mirrors, in our rearview mirror. But right now, right where you're at, with whatever you're dealing with, invite him as you listen to this song. Invite him to come and be with you. And if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, invite him into your life to be your Lord and Savior. Let's reflect and listen to this song together.